Hello, I am Jeremy Kingsbury. This is Way Too Twog's Bagpipe and History Podcast, the show where you come along with me as I explore the likely repertoire of 18th and early 19th century bagpipers. Let's listen to some tunes. Hi. So, this week's episode didn't, uh, I meant to do an easy one, um, didn't turn out to be easy. This is maybe some of the most challenging piping I've done in a long time, or maybe that's because I took a week off, uh, is why it feels that way. But, uh, we're going to play through lots of tunes. Uh, at the end of, or kind of during last episode, I mentioned that I was afraid that there was yet another book waiting for me downstairs, and there was while I was recording. So we're going to play from that, uh, from that book. So the... I guess what this what this turned into is a bit of a deep dive into Mr. Preston's hornpipe, and I am asleep, don't wake me. Uh, the goal here was just to play through another one of Fitzmaurice's collections of Irish tunes, which I did. Um, but yeah, I'm asleep and don't wake me. It turns out there's a lot there. So uh, the tunes we are going to play, and actually not just me, so uh, you might have noticed from the title that there's a lot of guest musicians on this week. Um, so we've got Pete Stewart performing uh, his uh, setting for Mr. Preston's Hornpipe on Small Pipes, uh, Scottish Small Pipes, and then Rob Turner is going to play his setting, uh, or he's going to play Oswald's setting for Cold Frosty Morning, so thank you Rob on flute, and Simon Chadwick is back and going to play um, kind of the Edward Bunting live notes of I'm Asleep and Don't Waken Me, or I think Tea Memo Codlich think is how that is uh, close to how that's pronounced using a Scottish Gaelic pronunciation to figure out Irish Gaelic so yeah apologies um, anyway so thanks to Pete Rob and Simon for contributing some tunes uh, so those tunes are we're gonna hear like I said Mr. Preston's hornpipe I'm gonna play that a couple different ways then from Fitzmaurice we're gonna hear I'm asleep and don't wake me mount the stage Donald Bran loose the belt and Fitzmaurice's trip to Roslyn Castle uh, we're gonna hear um, from Walsh's Caledonian Country Dances, Petticoat Loose and Petticoat Tight, and then another new collection to me, uh, Thomas Nixon Jr. We're going to hear their setting for Petticoat Loose uh, from Alan Ramsey, uh, kind of set from Stuart. We're going to hear uh, Kami Me Kochel, I think is how that is, uh, or past one o'clock. Uh, we're going to hear from Wright, another collection of country dances from the 1740s, past one o'clock from McGibbon. We're going to hear Cold Frosty Morning from Oswald. Like I said, Cold Frosty Morning, thanks to Rob Turner. Uh, then from Charlotte Milligan Fox, I'm going to play Lament of a Druid. Uh, then from O'Farrell, we'll do Past One O'Clock. And again, we're going to hear uh, Edward Bunting slash Hugh Higgins' take on I'm Asleep and Don't Waken Me, um, which, like I said, I think is Te Memo Kodlik. But uh, there's sort of a funny story, if you can believe what is written on Traditional Tune Archive, um, that supposedly Francis O'Neill used to say, but that um, <laughs> some neighbor of his wanted him to play it, and uh, and he couldn't pronounce it. So I'll, I'll just read the, the thing straight off of Traditional Tune Archive. Uh, okay, so when at Mr. McDonald's of McCranty in the county of Roscommon, he met a young nobleman from Germany who had come to Ireland to look after some property to which he had a claim through his mother. He was one of the most finished and accomplished young gentlemen, says O'Neill, uh, that I ever met. When, on one occasion, Hugh O'Neill and I played our last tune for him, he wished to call for past one o'clock, or, uh, oh, it's even spelled different layer than, 
<laughs> anyway, Taya Memo Kodlich. Um, but he, uh, which he had heard someplace before, uh, but for the name, he was at a loss. Perceiving me going towards the door, he followed me and said that the name of his bootmaker was Tommy McCullough, and that the tune he wanted was like saying, Tommy McCullough made boots for me. Uh, and then the broad way he pronounced it, it was not unlike the Irish name. I went in with him and played it, and he seemed uncommonly happy. So maybe that's how I should just call this tune, Tommy McCullough made boots for me. Um, but yeah, it's, I am asleep and don't wake me. <sighs> okay, well, let's uh, let's get started with... Um, with Mr. Preston's Hornpipe, I guess. So Mr. Preston's Hornpipe is one of my favorite tunes. It's one of these old English hornpipes. Um, and Pete Stewart, I, I started, I really learned about closed fingering technique from watching Pete Stewart's video of this on YouTube. Uh, so we're going to hear that. Uh, and yeah, I just was kind of fascinated with it. And it's one of the tunes in uh, Pete's book, The Three Extraordinary Collections. So um, one of the three. The first one is a collection of Lancashire hornpipes um, by Thomas Marsden, and uh, Mr. Preston's hornpipe is, I think, like the second to last tune or something in there. So lots of interesting tunes in there. Um, not a lot of tunes that are kind of in that comfortable border pipe, you know, um, kind of Scottish small pipe range. Uh, so we're going to play some out of here, but it's going to be a lot of inland pipes and whistles probably to to be able to show it off. But really cool collection and uh, very appreciative of it. And I, and I guess maybe we should just start by having, um, having Pete play it. So this is Pete Stewart's rendition of... Um, of Mr. Preston's hornpipe using a set of Scottish small pipes that were made for him by Julian Goodacre. <laughs> Thank you. 
such a good tune. So yeah, like I said, I, I really w- was watching Pete play that tune on Scottish Small Pipes and how his fingers were working. That kind of led me to realize, like, oh, closed fingering. That's a style that I should look into. Which is sort of, I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, that it's sort of absurd that it took watching Pete Stewart doing it to realize that. Because at that point, I was already playing Ellen Pipes and I should have been comfortable with, like, staccato. But it is, it's a different, it, it feels different. It, like, there's a difference between staccato and closed fingering technique, obviously. But, uh... They're sort of kin, they're neighbors. Um, anyway, so it's it's been an interesting week looking at this collection of tunes um, and really just focusing in on Mr. Preston's hornpipe. It's been a favorite for so long, um, so I'm really glad to get it. And like, just watching, I always have such a blast watching Pete perform too. If you go to his YouTube channel and watch, you can kind of hear it in that version of Mr. Preston's hornpipe how much his feet move like he really does a good job of playing his feet along with the tunes and uh on border pipe tunes especially uh it's it's quite it's quite effective and quite good um yeah so this collection of tunes this is uh lancashire hornpipes like i said uh pete in the introduction mentions that thomas marsden who wrote the book uh is clearly pretty dull with his variations not very imaginative which i didn't agree with because i love mr preston's hornpipe so much uh, and then after playing it nonstop for a couple days uh, i realized oh no it's it's pretty repetitive uh, especially trying to get it on the illin pipes was a bit of a challenge talking you know it it was enough challenge that i complained about it to um to matt seattle like and i was getting ready to do mr preston's hornpipe and it was really not fun to play because uh, i was trying to play on island pipes and he said you know i don't think that you need that c natural for that tune to work which i didn't think was true it's <laughs> like no surely the c natural is sort of what makes a tune and then pete mentioned that gary west told him you know i don't think you need the c natural for that tune to work um so between Matt Seattle and Gary West, I guess I, I decided I should try it. So here is me playing Mr. Preston's Hornpipe, except uh, not playing the C natural that really kind of makes the tune pop. Um, yeah, this is actually, Pete played it on a custom set of small pipes that he had Julian Goodacre, well, a custom channer that he had Julian Goodacre make for him. Uh, it was sort of keyed to, to B minor just to sound quite so awesome. Um, anyway, so here it is just on those Benton border pipes with the, the regular C. Do you think it works?
Does it work? Yes, obviously. Fine, sure. It works. It's still a song. Is it good? Is it better than with the C natural? I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, but it did it did work sig- significantly better than I was expecting. Uh, anyway, so uh, thanks again to Pete uh, for just kind of great collection of tunes and answering my questions. So here, uh, the thing that took me so long that I'm going to include now because I put way too much time into it. Um, this is how I like it with those C naturals. And also, uh, I think it, it works pretty good as a duet. Um, I kind of realized... Well, I don't want to complain about it too much because I, I I was upset with this recording and then I listened to it again today and I was like, oh no, that's that's pretty good actually. Um, but I tell I you what, trying to play kind of music for Border Pipes on Ellen Pipes, um, it, like I I knew that Jarla Henderson was an amazing piper, uh, but I didn't quite process how difficult it must be to play and keep up with Ross Ansley on a you know, on a, on a Scottish bagpipe or a border pipe. Like that's, that's some intense stuff. So anyway, uh, props. And if you've never checked out the Jarlith and Ross, uh, albums, check them out. They're pretty intense. So anyway, here is me playing inland pipes and border pipes for Mr. Preston's hornpipe with those C naturals included.
English hornpipes are cool. Um, all right, so switching gears here, let's look at Fitzmaurice's new collection of Irish tunes, number two. So back in uh, on episode 14, so I guess quite a few episodes back, uh, we played through the entirety of uh, tune collection number one. And so we're going to play through all of tune collection number two here. It's just going to lead to a couple deep dives into uh, I'm Asleep Into Wank Me and Petticoat Loose as well. Uh, less so to that. So first, rather than playing them in order, I'm going to play them kind of just, I'm going to play the tunes that don't have a ton of concordances first. Uh, it's interesting, you know, Fitzmaurice is an Irish piper in Edinburgh that's clearly traveling around um, and performing for people. Um, but some of his some of his tunes, including this collection, fit really well on Highland pipes uh, as well, uh, which kind of takes me back to a couple of the Jackson tunes are that same way. Um, but first, we're going to hear "Mount the Stage." So Fitzmaurice is an Irish piper. So here is "Mount the Stage" on Ellen pipes. As I hinted at, I'm going to spare you the second time playing through there because, you know, Fitzmaurice lives in Edinburgh and I think his music, I don't know, I'm not sure if this is a, like a Highland Pipe tune or a Border Pipe tune, but it certainly fits. It's just a one octave tune um, and I kind of think it sounds better on Border Pipes. So here it is on Border Pipes for you to have an opinion on.
Now, the next tune uh, in the book also is that same way where it's just one octave. Um, and it might sound better on Highland Pipes, but I didn't wind up getting them out today. So <laughs> we're just going to leave it on Allen Pipes. So here is Donald Braun, which doesn't even show up on traditional tune archive. Um, so I'm guessing it doesn't have concordances. Uh, Mount the Stage does show up on traditional tune archive, but only as Mount the Stage. So uh, we don't know. Anyway, here is Donald Braun or Donald Bran. Who knows? interesting tune uh be honest i recorded it on uh i tried it on small pipes and even on the border pipes and just uh, didn't didn't work (laughs) my f was off and it didn't didn't wind up working out terribly well uh so anyway so we got it on inland pipes definitely you know as much as it doesn't have concordances it it sort of sounds like something else but uh, anyway and then here is fitzmaurice's trip to roslyn castle which has already been on the podcast but for the sake of getting every tune in collection number two i recorded it again so here it is So yeah, I realized <laughs> that uh, my regs aren't overpowering my chanter as bad as I thought, uh, and I think that kind of comes as a result of listening to too much uh, like really polished Ellen Pipe performances uh, and really mastered Ellen Pipe performances. Um, 
I was listening to some Willie Clancy stuff and some older piping and just realized like, oh no, they're their regs are just about where mine are. Um, and really also the issue is that I had the microphone pretty darn close to the channer. Um, and just the, based on my microphone placement, when I was listening in the headphones, it seemed like the regulators were wildly overpowering everything, but they're, they're not that bad. I backed the microphone away a little bit. Um, so, so anyway, so that means that I am back to working on regulators. So it might be a little painful. I've kind of realized that the podcast is, uh, it's important to me for a number of reasons, but it is a a major motivator for me to actually practice, which means you're going to have to listen to me learn how to get better at regulators. So uh, anyway, let's get on to last bit here of, I mean, so this is like a set of Fitzmaurice tunes that I think do have concordances. Um, the set is made up of two tunes from Walsh's Caledonian Country Dances that I I think I played them on that um, country dance presentation I did back in November, but that never made it onto the podcast. I couldn't find it uh, in the search function. Uh, I tell you, that search function on the website for the podcast is super helpful for trying to figure out what episode, what uh, what tunes are, are played in what episode. It's really really works quite well. Um, anyway, I didn't find petticoat, petticoat tight or petticoat loose in there. So those two tunes are from Walsh's Caledonian Country Dances uh, from around 1748. And I feel like petticoat loose is like, it's pretty similar. Uh, there's, there's definitely some similarities to loose the belt from Fitzmaurice. So I included these all as a set of three tunes. So, so yeah, here's petticoat tight, petticoat loose, and then Fitzmaurice's tune is a third one as loose the belt which i think might be uh kind of inspired by or fitzmaurice's version of petticoat loose
So looking for Petticoat Loose, I went on, um, I kind of got obsessed, <laughs> got more than a little obsessed with a collection, kind of looking at the concordances on traditional tune archive, kind of the list of places where Petticoat Loose shows up. I saw this source, Tomic, uh, Thomas Nixon Jr., which I hadn't seen before, I don't think, or at least I hadn't really processed quite what it said. And uh, it just, it got me really excited. I've lately been especially interested in kind of music book collections, so musicians' collections of tunes rather than printed things. It just seems like the the music in there tends to be, like, all really good tunes as opposed to kind of a mixture of filler and, um, and excellent tunes. So Thomas Nixon Jr.'s music book I was really interested in. It had Petticoat Loose in it, which was cool. But the interesting thing about it, to me is it's it's somebody so young. So Thomas Nixon Jr. Uh, wound up um, enlisting, joining. He was a rebel in um, the American Revolution, so supposedly he played Fife at the Battle of Lexington and Concord, which is sort of the first big, um, you know, shot heard around the world sort of thing. Um, and this tune collection is pretty great. Uh, it's a, He's a Fife player. Also, there's a recorder kind of associated with his name in the museum where it exists. Um, Anyway, found it, kind of wound up, uh, wound up looking for John Bell's manuscript, who's a Northumbrian um, a musician, and supposedly, uh, traditional tune archive was just a little confused, supposedly some of Nixon's stuff wound up in John Bell's manuscript, I don't, I don't quite understand how uh, that would have happened, um, but, I mean, there's definitely similar tunes between them, but there's a lot of really similar tunes to all kinds of things in John Bell's manuscript. So we'll probably do some John Bell tunes in the future. Um, but we're not going to do it this week, but, uh, big thanks to Ian Gelston for getting me the, you know, getting me the notes for it so I could use it without having to navigate, uh, Farn, uh, which is sort of a difficult archive for me to get, get my hands on or get my brain around. Uh, anyway, here is Thomas Nixon Jr. setting for Petticoat Loose. There is, there's two extra parts that he includes in there that I kind of think he was, he didn't mean it to be part of the tune, because if you look at the original, it says, um, kind of the fourth line, it says, continue here from part one. So I think he was experimenting with doing something. Uh, it's, you know, musically, it would work sort of as a seconds, uh, I think. Um but it's not, uh, anyway, didn't do that. So it's just, here's two parts of Petticoat Loose as a 14-year-old Fife player in the American Revolution played. Except on Island Pipes, by me.
So I have started uh, including in the show notes kind of links to things I don't play, so uh, that's the case this week. So uh, I'll have a couple settings here for Petticoat Loose. If you want to look at William Vickers' setting or John Bell's setting, you can look in the show notes and kind of click through and look at those for yourself. They are a little bit different, um, but I just didn't want to play anymore. <laughs> play any more of those. So uh, anyway, let's... Um, Let's move on. So the big meaty thing that probably um, I'm guessing a lot of you are here for uh, is I'm asleep and don't wake me. So we're going to start with Fitzmaurice, even though it's, you know, from 1805, and we're going to play much earlier settings for this tune. Um, but since, you know, Fitzmaurice is sort of the man of the hour, let's do Fitzmaurice's setting for it first, and then we'll start talking about the older ones. Okay, so that's Fitzmaurice's setting. I was really struggling, I'm still a little bit struggling with how to organize these things. Uh, I wanted to make some kind of assertion. Oftentimes when I play through a tune that shows up in you know collections on, in Ireland and in Scotland and in England, um, there are different titles that you can sort of see it, or there's if they're the same title, it makes some sort of sense. And I, there's just no argument to be made there. Um, it's really hard to figure that out. So... I, I'm Asleep and Don't Wake Me does seem uniquely Irish. I haven't seen I'm Asleep and Don't Wake Me in English or Scottish collections where it's not explicitly kind of attributed to Irish stuff. Um, but <laughs> that doesn't mean that Past One O'Clock is Scottish or Cold Frosty Morning is Scottish. Um, the oldest setting I could find for it in Ireland, uh, I don't actually have the, the lyrics to it or the sorry, the sheet music for it, like the tune, but I have the lyrics for the song that went along with it. It showed up as part of an Irish ballad opera called The Beggar's Wedding. Uh, Charles Coffey, kind of the first place this uh, opera was shown was in Dublin. And in there it's called uh, Past One O'Clock on a Cold Frosty Morning or something along those lines. 
that's what it says. Here's the here's the music or here's the words, and it's sung to the tune of um, "Past One O'clock in a Cold Frosty Morning." So then we see that title in Ireland being used when O'Farrell has it in his collection. He says this is Irish and he calls it past one o'clock um, when Termoth has it. So we, we talked about Termoth's like 12 Scottish and 12 Welsh heirs or something um, last week or week before last on or you know, on the Pat Sky episode. And in, uh, so Termoth has another collection called 12 Scotch, and 12 Irish heirs. And in that one from 1748, he calls it past one o'clock, but it appears in the Scottish section. Um, so it's like, it's all over the place. Uh, Francis Peacock also, he calls it cold frosty morning in his collection of 50 favorite Scotch heirs. Um, so yeah, it's a little hard to parse out. Uh, it is interesting, you know, already by 1740, this tune is well enough known that it shows up in a country dance book. Um, and there it's called Past One O'Clock. It's in Wright's um, complete so, uh, collection of celebrated country dances, both old and new. That seems to be... It's one of these country dance collections that has tunes from all over the place, if I remember correctly. Um, but it's it's a really different setting. Like, you can recognize the melody, um, but it's obviously not an air. It's set to be danced to. So, so really, it's a really interesting tune. Um, yeah, so I guess we're just going to do this chronological, and and we'll see if any big um, conclusions sort of jump out at me. And like I said, we're going to have um, performances from Rob Turner and Simon Chadwick where it sort of fits as well. So let's start off with the earliest setting I have recorded for you. Now, on Traditional Tune Archive, it says that uh, Playford has this tune as Cold Frosty Morning in Apollo's Banquet. Or no, not a cold frosty morning. Uh, as at twelve o'clock or something on a cold frosty morning, but I looked through Apollo's Banquet six times, and it's the same edition and number and year that is specifically mentioned in the traditional tune archive entry. So I don't think it's in there. Um, maybe somebody misspoke, or maybe I am just um, blinded by, uh, frustration with looking for it. I don't know. Um, so it's possible I might come back in a couple of weeks and be like, okay, found it. Here it is in Playford. But, um, but yeah, haven't been able to find it and looking around for it. I haven't been able to find a different version of Apollo's banquet to even cross-reference. So that means we are going to begin with the 1720s entry of Alan Ramsey's, uh, collection of 71 Scott songs. And remember, this is the one that shows up in Scott's Gaelic, I think. Did a little bit of poking around to try to see what this translates to. Couldn't figure it out. Uh, so it's Kami Me Kachel. Um, yeah. Traditional Tune Archive has that as past one o'clock. It's mixed in with the past one o'clock stuff, but I've, like I said, I don't know. Not sure, but it's definitely the same tune. So here is um, Ramsey's setting, although the, the music is set by Stuart, it mentions. You can look at all this stuff if you just look at the show notes. Anyway, here's the tune.
wonder if you're having the same experience I did. I really like that setting, by the way. Um, several of the settings include that kind of walk down phrase. And if you're, uh, if you're an inland piper, there's a really good chance that something about that seemed horribly familiar and you can't quite place it or you're better than I am and you can immediately place it. Um, but it's got that same kind of step down that Penny Keenan has in the air that he wrote, I think, for his father, uh, Johnny's tune for Avalon on uh, that album, Nakina Fair. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Here's just a little quick clip. Right? Like, it's got that same... It's got that same thing going. I feel really bad for just sharing that little clip of Patty's tune. Uh, it's amazing. It's like one of the best airs ever. But I'm afraid to play too much of Patty Keenan playing a slow air on an episode where I'm going to be playing a lot of slow airs. Because, <laughs> oh, the airs on that album so good. Um, but if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll have a link to it in the show notes. So you should go check out that album. Uh, anyway, so several of the settings have that same step down. That's really reminiscent of, of Johnny's tune. Uh, so let's do chronological kind of, you kind of have to just have that tune stuck in your head because the next one in order is going to be that country dance setting, but you can still sort of hear the melody. So this one is from the 1740s past one o'clock from Wright's complete collection of celebrated country dances. And so next in order of chronology here would be, we're going to go with William McGibbon. Um, it's a bit of a toss up if Oswald might be before then. The dating for Oswald stuff it starts around 1745, goes to the 1760s. Unclear when this edition of Oswald's Caledonian Pocket Companion is in. So we will do um, William McGibbon's collection of Scott's tunes. This is from the fourth volume. So right towards the end of William's life, I would guess. So in 1750s. Uh, and again, McGibbon has it as cold, frosty morning.
All right, and I have a hard time. Uh, I haven't played McGibbon tunes or Oswald tunes for a while, uh, but it's hard to think of them. It's it's interesting that they exist kind of the same time and space, both uh, kind of trained in Italian schools, I believe, and both kind of putting out these variation sets of popular Scottish tunes. So anyway, here is Oswald's pocket companion version, um, but performed a little bit closer to how it's intended, uh, thanks to Rob Turner doing a lovely job of it uh, on flute. Uh, yeah, so thanks again, Rob. And if anybody isn't already subscribed to Rob's YouTube page, he does a lot of pretty great, uh, long, you know, he does a lot of great Oswald stuff, but kind of old manuscript collections as well. And often in his like little show notes, he has a good history of the tune and any kind of interesting cultural stuff going on with it as well. So be sure to check out his YouTube page, which again, as always, link in the show notes. Thank you, Rob. Just so glorious. Okay, so we're going to break chronology a little bit, um, mostly because I don't want to have two tracks of people that aren't me playing back to back. I don't know why. It just seems like this should be a radio show then. I don't, I don't know. Um, so we're going to switch to like, I'm going to play the next tune that I had in my repertoire of like, this is a tune that I, that I know of. And that is O'Farrell setting for past one o'clock. Uh, so this is from 1806. Probably it's from, um, 
think the first pocket companion. And like I said before, O'Farrell calls it past one o'clock and also mentions that it is Irish, which he doesn't always include a, you know, nationality of the tunes, but he does for this one. Yeah, I kind of think, uh, predictably, I guess, that O'Farrell setting is my favorite. And I also recognize, uh, there's there's a couple of things that I haven't really heard in the other settings that I recognize when, uh, from Piper's playing it more recently. I can't actually place uh, who I've listened to the most playing this tune, but until we got to O'Farrell's past one o'clock, uh, there were some parts that I hadn't heard yet. So anyway, good tune. Uh, you might have heard some thunder in that track. Like you're, there isn't a storm in your house. There was a storm in my house when I recorded it. I actually had to scrap one of um, the clips that I recorded because the sound of thunder was too extreme. Um, and I kept recording because I thought, oh, this is going to sound neat. But it just sounds like a bunch of distortion because it made my house rattle so much. Uh, anyway, here's here's the first clip of it. 
it scared the channel like right out of my hands. Um, yeah, anyway, so I'm starting to kind of recognize patterns and themes, and I, I started to imagine that I was actually hearing Bonnie Portmore in that, um, in that tune, like, but there's, so there's some similar phrasing to Bonnie Portmore, which is another tune that shows up in Bunting, uh, and actually another tune that I've done on the podcast already, so if you want to go back and kind of, it's from an old episode, season four, episode 20, I think is when it is, but it's way back when I... I think it was the first episode that I played, um, it was the first episode that I played a William Dixon tune. I played Jack Latin, and I think, I think that Jack Latin was the first one. Um, but yeah, it is season four, episode, uh, episode 20, Edward Bunting Revisited, Bonnie Portmore, Have You Seen My Valentine? Uh, also with Simon Chadwick. So anyway, you can check that out if you want to. Um, so I'm going to finish out the episode with stuff that I heard from Simon. So I emailed Simon, you know, I, I knew that Edward Bunting had I'm Asleep Don't Waken Me, and I wanted to look for the field notes, and I found them, couldn't make any sense of them, so I gave up trying to do it on my own and went to see if Simon had already done it, and of course he had, and he's done a beautiful job of it. Um, but he also has, when I, I sent an email just saying, hey, I was going to use this, do you mind? And he uh, said, yeah, go for it. That's great. Uh, have you looked at my notes? I'm really interested in hearing uh, the Joyce setting. And the Joyce setting was not on my radar. Uh, and I hadn't looked at his notes yet. So I, I looked at his website. I'll have a, a link to his little kind of blog entry on this tune. Um, but he had in there this setting from Joyce. Um, and Joyce in a very roundabout way. So this is Lament of a Druid uh, by Charlotte Milligan Fox. Kind of recorded this tune around 1900 or so. It gets printed in the Journal of Irish Folk Song Society in Volume 1, 1904. And Charlotte says that she got this plaintive lament from a piper named uh, Kelly. Uh, so she says here in the article, there's an old musician who wanders around the north of Ireland. He has given me many beautiful old airs. He said this lament was given to him by old Jimmy Joyce, a Galway piper who had been to the Belfast Convention of Harpers in 1792. So it's kind of neat that, you know, the same Harper Convention that is, you know, where we get this big bunting collection that Simon is doing such an amazing job of kind of looking through the, the archives and playing the actual notes. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you should go back and check out those Edward Bunting episodes where I explain a little bit more the history of Bunting's recording in Ireland of these old harpers. Um, but yeah, so rather than using, you know, it's, it's not Edward Bunting's notes. It is a tune that has survived through the, um, it's survived through the air, uh, through the years, through you know, like living pipers. So, uh, anyway, it's an interesting tune, Lament of a Druid. I don't hear it straight away as being particularly related to I'm Asleep and Don't Wake Me. Uh, Simon's a much better musician than I am and better trained, so I trust his judgment here, and it's a really cool tune. Uh, so I'm going to play it. He specifically has it attached to being sort of a different version uh, that he sees some similarities with Willie Clancy's pay playing uh, in 1969. Um, yeah, so I'll just, I'll just give you a really quick little clip of the Willie Clancy bit. You can listen to the whole track on YouTube uh, and this uh, album called Breezes from Aaron. I couldn't figure out like where else to even link it, but this is sort of how Willie Clancy starts this air. Um, like I said, just a, just a quick...
right, so as that, um, as that's fading away, I'll talk to you a little bit more. That'll keep people from getting upset about it being in there, right? Um, anyway, so yeah, so this is, like I said before, a uh, pretty fun setting for uh, Lament of a Druid from Charlotte Milligan Fox, and I am taking a little bit of liberties with it just in order to make it sound like a tune to me. Um, and based on how I'm playing it and how it's written, I have a hard time imagining it. That's how it was done in 1792. Uh, there may very well have been some, you know, some key channers around in 1792. Most of the surviving set of Irish pipes from the 1790s, the channers don't really make it. Um, and so when people are playing them around, they're generally using a rebuilt chanter that has a bunch of keys on there because people want keys. Um... So I don't know, maybe, maybe there were some key channers in 1790 and I just haven't seen them. But anyway, here is Charlotte Milligan Fox's setting, uh, supposedly um, from 1792, for The Lament of a Druid. We're, we're running out of time. There's a lot more to say about this tune. Um, might have to reevaluate if I ever do <laughs> like a deep dive on a slow air again because it takes too much time. Um, but yeah, looking here now at the very end of the podcast, I'm finally realizing that this is a Carolyn tune, possibly. Uh, it shows up in that Neil's collection of celebrated Irish tunes, uh, which was published, I think, the 1720s or something. I still don't have a copy of it, uh, which is why... I, I, kind of escaped my notice uh maybe it's called i am sleeping in carolyn's version of it it shows up in the hibernian muse too but like i said we're out of time for the podcast and uh, i'm out of time for working on this episode so um like I said, you can always find more information by Googling around, but certainly Traditional Tune Archive has some pretty robust entries for 
uh, I'm Asleep and Don't Wake Me, as well as Past One O'Clock, as well as uh, Cold Frosty Mornings. There's a lot of threads to kind of follow through. Uh, anyway, gotta run, got, we gotta end this, or I'm not gonna be able to upload the episode, it'll be too long. So, huge thanks to all my um, Patreon supporters. We're up to seven now, which is far more than what they tell you to expect, um, based on, like, our listeners versus um, Patreon support. So I really appreciate it. If you want to join, you know, there'll be a link to the Patreon account down in the show notes. Uh, and then the other thing, just, you know, huge thanks to all these musicians that, you know, joined me today. So big thanks to Pete Stewart. Uh, big thanks to uh, Rob Turner and huge thanks to Simon Chadwick uh, for uh, finishing us off with such a good couple of recommended tunes. And now finally his playing the live notes that Edward Bunting recorded while listening to Hugh Higgins play this tune in 1792. Uh, don't expect an episode next week. We're going to have to switch to an every other week thing for the foreseeable future. So anyway, cheers. Oh.